Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where this week, well, there is only one topic in town and indeed on the agenda. I'm Robert Miller. That means, of course, the general election result. I'm joined uh, by Richard Fletcher, the business editor of The Times, Philip Aldrich, economics editor, and on the line from Westminster, our deputy political editor, Sam Coates. Sam, let me come straight to you. What's the atmosphere like there? Well, uh, Richard, I have just watched Theresa May re-enter Downing Street uh, with with the declaration that she is returning to government in order to provide certainty for the British public after the catastrophic results of the last 24 hours, which saw her majority slashed and her having to go into agreement with uh, Northern Ireland parties just to get back into Downing Street, nothing could be further from the truth. The atmosphere here in Westminster is one of huge uncertainty. The truth is, I cannot see a way through from where we are at the moment, even to the end of the year. This, this is why. Only Theresa May has the numbers in parliamentary terms to enter Downing Street now. The 318 Conservative MPs plus the 10 DUP MPs do allow her to technically command a majority of the House of Commons, meaning that she's above that all critical 323 mark. However, whilst she can stay in office, she cannot stay in power through Brexit. Brexit will require this Prime Minister to do some of the most challenging tasks ever seen in Parliament in my lifetime. It means overhauling the migration system. It means pushing through the Great Repeal Bill. It means basically making big strategic choices about Britain to prepare the way that this country will leave the European Union. That is not going to be possible on a majority of 17, particularly when that is made up of MPs from two different parties. There will be defeats. There will be catastrophic defeats in Parliament, which means that you cannot deliver Brexit with this majority. That leaves us in an absolute world of uncertainty. The Conservative Party is, as we speak, trying to work out whether it should force Theresa May out out from power. It seems to have decided this morning that it's not going to come for her today, and she's decided that she wants to stay on in the name of stability. But that's very much a question for now, and people are circling. People like Boris Johnson, Amber Rudd, there's even chatter about Ruth Davidson, are looking to see whether or not they should uh, start making moves towards an almost inevitable leadership election later in the year. Then there's the question of whether if there's a change of prime minister, there needs to be another election. But how is that possible when we're in a world with a fixed-term parliament? Also, and- Sam, also, Sam, I suppose you've got um, the, the Brexit timetable is ticking. It started on March the 29th, didn't it? So the, the, the more time we devote to sorting out our own domestic politics, the less time we have to negotiate because we'll be down to a year or just, just over a year before we know it. Is there any way that this will have quelled her backbench MPs? I think Ken Clark even posited the idea that, that maybe some kind of deal could be struck between Labour and the Tories or, or, or between parties on some kind of Brexit strategy that you then send the Sherpas off to uh, Brussels to negotiate because it's it's kind of some kind of joined up thinking between Labour and, and the Tories. So here's the rub. We've got two problems. We're sending a prime minister into the Brexit negotiations who's almost certainly in 10 days' time, who's also almost certainly not to be prime minister when, when Brexit finishes. That, that in itself is bad enough. But there's a lot of chatter in the markets amongst some politicians, particularly pro, uh, the more pro-EU politicians, about whether or not we couldn't change direction on Brexit. Yes, it is theoretically possible that you could do that, but it seems to be almost impossible given the nature of the Conservative Party. Um, There are 70, 80, 90 Conservative MPs who have absolutely set their face against membership of the single market, an EEA option, the sort of thing that's being talked about this morning. You do that, 
they will vote it down at every opportunity. Theresa May has just gone into, into, into an arrangement with the DUP. They absolutely fundamentally reject staying inside the European economic area. Uh, they want to get out, change the migration system and renegotiate a new FTA free trade agreement with, uh, with the EU. The choice is this. If you go for an attempt to stay inside the single market, there will be civil war like we haven't seen in, in a generation inside the Conservative Party. Everybody going for the leadership will know that. That makes it very hard to do. I can't see a way round where that passes the political test, however many people want it. But what would you, what's the feeling there? Business. The economy has to keep struggling. And, and we've got Richard here, and he was watching as the polls came out. And the first thing he was talking about is that you know nothing is certain for business anymore. Business investment gets put on hold. They're not aware of that while they're talking about the greater good. Well, one of the features of Theresa May's administration was just how detached she was as a Conservative Prime Minister from the city, from organisations like the CBI and other business organisations, from chief executives of big companies. Her top advisors just didn't really have a feel for business, weren't that interested in business. And to be honest, business can say what it likes on this, and it's not entirely clear to me that Theresa May will pay a great deal of attention to it. She has always taken a different approach to politics. And, you know, we saw from the way that she addressed the nation from the steps of Downing Street, almost as if nothing had changed. It was as if there hadn't been a general election. It didn't seem to acknowledge that she'd just performed catastrophically in a general election campaign. What I find really intriguing about this is that we have this situation, so in Westminster, there's obviously this febrile atmosphere, uh, which Sam has just described incredibly eloquently. But actually, you know, just a few miles down the road, both in the city of London and then then a bit further east in Canary Wharf, actually markets have taken today very much in their stride. So last night, you know, uh, we were there there, Robert, watching the screens. The moment we saw the exit poll, we saw the pound fall against the dollar to around one dollar twenty-seven. Um, and, and and as we discussed last night, you know, the, the, the suggestion was that if it was a hung parliament, we'd then see the the, the pound slip to one dollar twenty-three. That was the Bloomberg analysis of investment bank notes. But we didn't see that. We saw we traded at around one twenty-seven, sort of about sort of seven o'clock, eight o'clock this morning. We dipped just below one twenty-six and a half. But we're back now. We're we're back up to. $1.27. The equity markets, I mean, obviously the FTSE's up uh, because the pound is uh, the pound is low. And as we all now know, having been through Brexit, you know, that boosts the multinationals who earn in dollars and report in pounds, etc. But so the FTSE's up, the, even the FTSE t- t- 250, you know, the, the great barometer of the UK economy, that's down 0.2%, wouldn't be even be worth mentioning if it wasn't a day like today. So the, the, the markets have definitely taken the, 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 this in the stride. And that's either, for in my belief, for two reasons. Either, as we've discussed in in the, in my morning emails uh, on a couple of occasions this week, because markets now, you know, they're more relaxed about uncertainty, and you know that that sort of hackney phrase that markets don't like uncertainty. Maybe that's maybe that's just not true anymore, or because. Uh, you know, the markets have concluded that this means it is going to be a softer Brexit, although as Sam has just d- d- described that may that, that may not be true. But but it's quite interesting that compared with the reaction after the referendum vote, yeah, we've seen house builders sold off. We've seen some stocks down five, six percent, but that's not a that's not a huge move. Um, actually, and, and maybe this podcast will be out of date in a couple of hours and I'll have sort of lots of red faces. But, you know, as we sit here now, the markets have taken it in their stride and actually it's been very little reaction. Now, the business, that's a, a different debate. There were these predictions before the referendum vote that if we did vote for Brexit, we'd see a, a recession. And obviously, business kind of shrugged that off and actually the economy 
grew in the months after the vote. But we have seen in recent weeks, we have seen the signs that the economy is slowing. But I suppose what's intriguing to me, and we won't get the answer here this afternoon, we probably won't get it in the next few weeks, probably won't get it for a few months, is whether this is the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back and whether this is the last dent to confidence and that means that we do you know there is so much uncertainty for business that uk businesses stop investing here and, and foreign investors stop coming to the uk well, the, the thing the thing is the vote actually didn't give Theresa may or anyone a mandate for a for a harder brexit did it i mean labor got an increased share of the popular vote as well as increased seats um uh the liberal democrats didn't really get anything which suggests that people obviously you know think that brexit is going to happen but ukip got absolutely killed um and you know people did not sign up to theresa may's uh, uh, plans at all so what you have is a, a sort of an electorate which is saying if anything go for a softer softer brexit or slightly softer brexit or labor style brexit um and uh, if, if you've got 50 70 headbangers in in the back benches of the tory party who set themselves against that they're setting themselves against the, the, the population, which seems a remarkable thing to, to for them to try and do. So uh, you can see why the uh, business community might be feeling a little more sanguine than the people in Westminster, possibly. I suppose the interesting thing is for me that, you know, uh, us great commentators who uh, completely failed to spot this one coming, um, as we did with Brexit and as we did with Trump, um, you know, suddenly we can decide how these tens of millions of people were thinking when they voted. And I do think that in different seats, people have voted for different reasons. So we obviously have seen, we haven't got the exact numbers yet, but we obviously have seen a, a rise in turnout. And that does sometimes happen after referendums. And maybe that is the young that they're angry, but they could just as easily be angry about the cost of housing. They could be just as easily angry about tuition fees as they are about the Brexit. I think it's quite difficult to sort of decide across all of those constituencies that these were the reasons that people no, voted. There's no specific endorsement to do a harder Brexit. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't read that in this data. Sam, what do you, what do you think? Um, I think that people will choose to interpret this result as they as they wish. I think in some seats it does look as if it was a rejection of a harder form of Brexit, but in other places you just can't, you just have to project whatever you want onto the result and, and claim it. It seems to me that unfortunately for the country, internal Conservative Party politics rather necessarily than wider interests of the city and business are going to be brought to the fore for several months once again. And coupled most importantly of all with the fact that nobody really has control of the House of Commons, which means that whatever government is formed uh, ain't going to last very long, but it's very hard to have a general election. I just cannot plot a way through what's going to happen next. Do, do you think, Sam, that come the next election, so which we, which I think we all agree will be sooner rather than later, I don't think we're looking at a five-year administration, that in a way the, 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 the problem for the Conservative Party is that they will be punished by the electorate for yet another election. You know, Brenda in, in wherever she was is not going to be very happy. You know, that's the problem, isn't it, for the Conservatives, is that they, as the party in power, when they do go back to the country, they may well be punished for, for inflicting another one of these things on us? Uh, yes. I, I, I don't think people like elections just at the moment. I don't think... Don't forget, it costs, it costs £100 million a pop to have a national vote. It causes uh, disruption up and down the country. Schools have to close. Children have to have additional childcare. Most voters would rather politicians just got on with governing the country and, uh, and, and, and did as best a job as possible for it. People do not like this. But 
we have a prime minister who wants to start the Brexit process, who will not finish it. We have a we have a Commons that cannot deliver Brexit because it can't get through the legislation that needs to do it. We are in a crisis, whether or not the markets acknowledge it, and it is very hard to see the way through from here. So, in short, your final thoughts. So let's return to the markets and what we've discussed today. But basically, what would your message be to business now? Uh, my message to business would be: if they are worried about what they are going, what is about to happen. They need to get stuck in publicly and make the arguments about what they need to see from Brexit. Too many businessmen want things but sit on their hands. Too many businessmen worry about getting involved in political debate for fear of a backlash. However, that simply allows politicians, particularly from the uh, more fringe elements of debate, to get their way because nobody is pushing back on what they want. People who want a business-friendly Brexit have to make the case and have to make the case loudly and firmly because otherwise they will lose. I'd completely endorse what Sam says there. In fact, I'd go a little bit further and I'd say they have to be a bit more honest so they need to stop saying one thing publicly and then telling you completely the opposite privately and they also need to tackle those really difficult subjects they hate talking about. So they hate talking about how reliant they are on on foreign labour and they just need to be honest about that and it is difficult for, you know, if you're a, uh, the MS boss to talk about how your sandwich makers are reliant on foreign labour but that's the truth that's where we are and they need to be honest about that with 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 politicians and the British public and they need to explain why that is and explain why actually that's not always a bad thing and they need to get out there and get on the front foot. I, I take some solace from a recent poll or recent survey which showed that businesses are now operating with geopolitical uncertainty as just a normal business practice, whereas before the referendum and before Donald Trump, obviously, they were paralysed by what might happen. Now, you've had what they consider to be disasters. We've had another one. And the impression that has been coming out of, it came out in Davos earlier this year, and this uh, recent uh, survey showed, again, that, that business is just getting on with it because they, they have to operate in an environment of increased uncertainty. And so they just have to ride it through, get on with whatever they were planning. Otherwise, the economy will suffer and, and they will suffer as a result too. All right. Well, there's lots to think about there. And uh, thank you all very much. That's it for now. But uh, watch out for all the updates we'll be bringing you. And don't forget, sign up to our morning and lunchtime business emails from the business editor, Richard. If you're not a subscriber, just simply go to thetimes.co.uk where there's a special £1 offer. And of course, we have the uh, Bank of England, Philip. So they'll be making their decision. No change, I suspect. Well, there can't be another cut if we get down to zero. Um, No change, yeah. Oh, that's reassuring there. And uh, you'll find all the news and analysis online, on your phone and on your tablet. Uh, If you'd like to become a subscriber, then please just go to iTunes and sign up there and leave your comments. Uh, Don't forget, uh, my thanks to Richard Fletcher, Philip Aldrich and Sam Coates in Westminster. They're on Twitter, so please do follow them. Thanks for listening to us and uh, please join us again next time. 